Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hints and Guesses, my podcast. This is Kent Dobson. Really special and interesting episode, at least in my opinion, I have for you today. I'm going to be talking to my friend Kate Joyner, and we're going to talk about Eros and the lost art of the feminine. So Kate is a guide for Animus Valley Institute, where I've been also been doing my uh, guide training and for the last, well, five, six years now. And uh, we were both in the training program together, and she is now um, finished that and is doing some guiding for Animus, along with a bunch of other very interesting work in the world, which we talk about. We really talk about the nature of the work. Uh, not so much, um, you know, as an advertisement, but more like the deep structure and what's going on in the world and and what is she what is Kate uniquely called to to bring forth and so I think you're going to find the conversation really interesting today it's part of a series called West Words I'm throwing a lot of things at you right now West Words which is a publication that Animus puts out a couple of times a year you can sign up for it on their website animus.org that's A-N-I-M-A-S dot org. You can also check out all their programs, which I'm always recommending. But yeah, they have uh, this you know, semi-annual publication that comes out lots of articles and writings and musings and poems and interviews. And this is the first time that um, we've experimented a little bit with uh, kind of the podcast format, uh, an audio interview. And so Kate's the first of, of what's going to be an ongoing series uh, in the Westwards publication. So I thought I'd also put it out on my podcast and Kate's going to put it out on her podcast because we found, I don't know, it was just a fun conversation. And I haven't talked to her in a couple of years because of COVID. And although we've spent a lot of time together in some really wild places in the U.S., it's been a, a couple of years. So it was just enjoyable. And I think I want to say that my own personal interest in this work, I mean, I, I've been really drawn to a conversation about the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine over the last few years, P primarily the sacred masculine for, for, I guess, for obvious reasons. And I just finished a nine month program with 16 participants, a zoom program, people from all over the, all over the world. And our main text was the, was the myth of iron John and, and the book by the same name, Robert Bly's book, and it kind of a, strangely and mysteriously, he passed away in the middle of our of our study, and it seemed like potent and poignant that in some way his work or the conversation around what I would like to call the sacred masculine needs to continue and deepen, and and maybe now more than ever, are we ready to enter these streams? So that's that's, um, and of course you can't talk about the sacred masculine without a conversation about the sacred sacred feminine. After all, the psyche has both masculine and feminine dimensions. And, um, and Kate, Kate's work is really in the realm of the feminine, what she calls the lost art of the feminine. And you should check her stuff out. So she has a website called uh, dancingserpent.org. And she offers a program called Elemental Eros, which is about recovering, recovering the sacred feminine. And she has something that she calls uh, um, wild, uh, what does she call it? Um, uh, theater of the Wild, I think, Theater of the Wild. She offers a, a variety of different programs on her own uh, outside of Animus. So de definitely check out her work, especially if you feel drawn uh, 
to a conversation around the sacred feminine and, and would like to journey with other other women. I, I think uh, Kate's work extends beyond just uh, women, but uh, that's it, its uh, starting place. That was her starting place. So uh, in any case, enough of the, um, the plugs here for the various offerings that are that are happening and it's it's an amazing and an interesting and wild and 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 sometimes confusing time to be alive and and yet there are resources and i think there are um, uh, people who are committed to to serving the world from a deep place from a soul place uh and and serving the mystery and the, and the divine and, and kate is one of those people so uh, with that said, yeah, uh, I hope you enjoy this hour-long conversation, and we just jump straight into it. So thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for supporting me. Thanks for sharing this podcast. I hope you will. I hope you share it with your friends and social media and all that kind of stuff and, um, you know, like it and, you know, all, all the stuff you're supposed to do that helps the mysterious algorithms get the word out. So uh, again, I really appreciate it. Special thanks to, to my patrons who make this hints and guesses happen. And um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll see you shortly on the next podcast. Enjoy. Kate, <laughs> it's very good to see you. It's been a while. And yeah, thanks for coming on. This is the first uh, of, an, of an experimental musing for the westwards i don't know what you would call it expression of of animus and um yeah okay so here's here's where i want to start one way i like to think about mythos is kind of like a constellation like like the kind you might see in the sky and maybe we get little glimpses of certain stars or the certain certain ways that the stars are related to each other. And something like a pattern or an image or images begin to sort of, um, well, they're already constellated, but maybe they come into consciousness. We come into a little more conscious awareness of, of this, um, of our mythos, so to speak. So yeah, that's where I want to start. What do you think about the word mythos? And if you, if you wouldn't mind giving, giving us a little taste of, of, some dimension of your particular constellation, if you, if you can grant me the liberty of that, of that image. Okay, straight on in there. Thank you so much for having me. And um, it's a real honor to be invited as the first one to speak on the West Words. <clears throat> so yeah, as you were speaking about the stars and the constellation, I was also brought to the underbelly of the earth and the mycelium and was um, having the the image of the weaving of that network <clears throat> and really kind of like how we are woven into that mycelium um, through this kind of earthy embodiment and courtship with the way that in, in particular kind of like our soul is conversing with the world soul. Mm. And so for me, that kind of like mythos, the, the living mythically is really where the magic is. And when we're in tune with the stars, the mycelium of the stars, um, it's kind of like following a trail, like a breadcrumb trail that's been laid out for us um, that brings this magic and mystery and depth and meaning and intimacy and ecstasy into our lives that 
would otherwise, you know, without that dimension, it's just kind of like we're just in um, kind of like trapped in the mundane, everyday um, surface reality. So for me, the mythos of living is is really where the juice is. It's really where it gets it gets interesting for me. And um, and and for me, it's like what what really makes life worth living. And so you know, I kind of grew up like with this kind of feeling of some kind of hunger for something that I wasn't being given in the mainstream culture that I was indoctrinated into. Mm. And it was like this hunger that was just kind of like this yearning and this like, Oh God, there's something that's missing and I don't know what it is. And, and, you know, very, um, without really thinking about it really much was just guided into far off terrains where I was um sort you know where I was kind of guided to to seek this missing piece and what did did you think I just what did you think you were like looking for at the time oh I didn't I didn't know it was very unconscious but I was searching for something that and I didn't even know I was searching at that point I just knew that um I had to go somewhere and see something different and find something different and I, I it wasn't even like a conscious thing at that time it was more mm. kind of like I was being guided and and just following something that was very irrational and very illogical didn't make mm. any sense and it brought you where I mean we don't get to have to get you know yeah well too far I down mean, the rabbit hole but where yeah well, well it brought me down the rabbit hole that's where it brought me <laughs> so I mean what I was gonna say is like you know that was unconscious and then very very luckily at some point in my journey I I met guides who knew that terrain knew the terrain that I was walking um, without any guides without any light and um, I you know I found the teachers and the guides that could really shine a light and be like okay this is this is it this is the soul realm this is how you do it this is and then eventually you know also coming into the work of animus and being in that apprenticeship for seven years and now also serving as a guide and and being given the tools and the language to really uncover and unearth and discover um, the that conversation that is the mythic conversation of my life, mm. and um, really, that's kind of where everything kind of fell into place, really, and like having that depth, having the depth of that conversation as a, as a thread that is always, you know, leading me forever further down the rabbit hole. But as I followed that thread, the deeper meaning of my life started to resonate in the cells of my being to the point where it was like, oh yeah, this is who I am. This is what I'm made for. This is why I've come. This is what I'm here to do. This is, this is it. This is it. And it was such a fierce reckoning that, you know, over time my my ego metamorphosized into into being a vehicle of that myth of that mythic thread and that's an ever that's a lifelong conversation that i don't feel i'll ever um own or get to the end of but i i'm I'm forever giving myself to that to that thread yeah okay so yeah beautifully said and maybe give us a taste of 
the way in which this mythic thread comes through you or to use the line you used before living mythically well how does that how does that happen for you how do you what's that look like what's the flavor of that what's the 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 vibration of that like um yeah i mean it's a very existential um phenomena phenomenal experience so it's it's very it can be quite hard to like capture it in words but i'll i'll do my best um but for me it's really like the undercurrent of everything that is the truest expression of who i am so it means what that means is that i'm living my depth into the world and it means that i'm so deeply fulfilled and so deeply i feel like viscerally like this sense of being embedded within the earth that everything around me is a mythic conversation um that i'm being shown and being guided deeper into the conversation with magic and mystery in my soul just by living just because mm-hmm. my consciousness has expanded to be able to to um listen and and converse and incorporate the language of the soul of the world mm-hmm. so um you know and the the it's like i've i was given a breadcrumb so for me you know my mythic thread is very much to do with the feminine mysteries and very much to do with eros and the erotic and um the ecstatic and um so as i you know i would get images of 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 the yoni portal and enter into them and 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 that just the co- the the conversation when when I was following that thread, then then developed into like a cosmology mm. that, and and that is how I particularly am embedded within the 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 dream of the earth is to to speak for and bring through the cosmology of the lost, uh, the art, lost art of the of the erotic, mm. and um, that's a very very um, taboo and shamed and misunderstood phenomena to be in service of but it's one that earth is asking me to to do in order to reconcile some of this disease and um split that we have within the current cultural paradigm Mm -hmm. let's talk about the cultural paradigm then uh, around the erotic around eros so what do you mean what is eros what what Maybe we could start with how do you think we misunderstand uh, the erotic or eros? Such a great question. <clears throat> so I think we misunderstand it by thinking that eros is really about the bedroom and it's about sex. Mm. And whilst that is one aspect of the erotic and one beautiful, necessary, delightful, delicious aspect of the erotic. If we reduce eros to the bedroom, then we've we've done a huge disservice to what eros is. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like, you know, I was driving across, I live on Dartmoor National Park in Devon in England, and I was driving back today. And um, I was like, you know, soul and eros, you know, what is really the difference between these two things? You know, because for me to live an ensouled life is to live deeply in the eros of living. And so 
for me in the work that I offer outside of animus, I kind of talk about the three layers of eros. So there's the eros, there's the eros with the self, which is the self-love, which without that fundamental inner kind of center of our own knowing ourselves as love, then it's very difficult to, to be in touch with all of the other dimensions. But so there's the thought, there's the, the self, there's the, the loving with the other, there's the loving with the earth, and then there's love with the eros of the great mystery. And so it's kind of like this multi-dimensional experience. Eros is a multi-dimensional experience that that can that extends from the center of our hearts all the way out to the to this to the cosmos. Mm. And what we've done with Eros is we've we've reduced it to uh, the bedroom where you, if you're lucky, you might have an orgasm with somebody within the, the chambers of, of four walls of a you know of a bricked house. It's just so out of context and so um so dewilded hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of like um recognizing that you know eros is a, is a banished god in our culture and it's and that is part of the disease that is what is creating um the the destruction the destruction yeah. of of life around us because you know without we were born from eros hmm. each one of us were born in that moment from that erotic pulse mm. all of life is created through that erotic pulse and so if we if we demonize that and shame it and we have to hide and therefore we have to hide it with fundamentally hiding the wildness of who we truly are and and the the source of creation that we carry on the inside and that's a huge disservice huge yeah. Do you think, is your sense like, is, is Eros masculine, feminine, both, neither? What's yeah. the l- relationship between the masculine and the feminine and Eros just in your, in your, you know, understanding or sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, I work primarily with this, um, t- with this teaching of the fe- of feminine Eros because I'm a woman. And I identify as a woman and I identify um, with the feminine. And I, my school is around the lost art of the feminine because it really is a lost art, you know, um, to do the feminine well, it's an art form. And, and, and I think I, I, I know, I know that in, from being a feminine essence woman who identifies in that way, that, me being in relationship with with the mask a masculine man who's in his masculine eros is holding a very different pole so i feel like there's two poles there's these two poles mm. that are very different and need to be need and are embodied and expressed in in, in different ways and then in between those poles we have the whole spectrum of the variations that we're having um, in our culture of the all the all the beautiful gender variations that are possible nowadays and or not even nowadays they've been inherent in our earth design since the ancient time but they're just coming to the surface and into consciousness now as people are coming more into their their own being and their own bodies and their own expression um and i feel like the, you know the eros is held within these two poles and it creates this dance and it creates this magnetism and it creates this love and it creates this attraction and it creates this magic when, when we can fully claim it. But what happens if we try and 
become equal or we try and become the same or you know if women's rights men's rights you know it's all of those things we lose some of that we lose those that polarity and that magnetism and then we lose part of creation itself and so for me it's not about I don't want to become a man I don't want to be like a man I'm very comfortable being a woman in my feminine essence who needs that other polarity embodied in a a man who identifies in the masculine to 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 be in that dance with that's what I it is just that's erotic and that's alive and that's beauty Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean I I think you're I mean there's a whole cultural conversation right now obviously around around gender and and sexuality Mm -hmm. and and identification and um, I think you're right we're in some new terrain that has been suppressed or unknown or um marginalized or misunderstood for a long time. And then there's also, uh, whenever you're like, I guess whenever you start crossing into new terrain, all kinds of things get stirred up and extremes get stirred up. And again, and I do find it interesting that when gender, if that's the right word for it, or the masculine and the feminine gets completely flattened as if, as if it's nothing, Mm-hmm. then the pull, like all the energy is gone. The vitality is gone. And, yeah. and that's not so much just a human thing. That's just the way, the way the world is. Mm-hmm. These, these poles are dancing. And at least that's my, that's my sense. And that's what makes it kind of sort of scary and, and alluring at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the predator and the prey, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, there's a whole erotic that you know the ear like eros and thanatos you know life and death mm. and predator and prey and you know it's like the sacred hunt and all of those things that's you know that's part of the the nature's way mm-hmm. yeah i'd love to know more about the feminine journey the if you can if you can speak like because you said it's an art form what a lovely way of putting it and a lost art form or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so what is it about this art form that you're um, in conversation with and, and are, are helping others begin to, to learn? Can you speak yeah. to that a bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I mean, I think for me, you know, when a woman comes to know herself, or comes into her truest and deepest expression. So she's living embodied in her soul, which means when she's embodied in her soul, she is the emanation of the world soul. It's like, and so that is to become embodied in soul, to become the expression of your soul. That is like ego death over and over and over and over and over again. Mm. And not, not just for women, but our culture is primarily very um, egocentric. And in an egocentric mentality, it's a wo- often a wound-based mentality. So, um, you know, a lot of the feminine or a lot of the, the, ori- the kind of place or orientation of women in our culture is based in this kind of like pain, body, wound, identification um, mentality and that is you know that has us kind of like acting out in very small ways 
in ways that kind of keep us entitled or like a princess or like subjectified or objectified and and actually that really keeps us away from our true essence as who we are as women and so I think there comes a point where a woman gets to an existential crisis in her journey where she's just like I can't fit into this mold um this isn't this is like killing my soul I feel and time and time and time again women come I have conversations at the beginning of their journey and then like I feel like there's a part of me in the cage mm. and then this image of women in the cage is just it repeats it's so beautiful and I'm like yeah and so the journeys that I in, in, um, enable is um is to unleash the, the that part of them that's in the cage and you know, at first she's like, you know, that part of us is like, you know, she's been caged and she's writhing and she's like pissed and she's like, you know, she's she's not happy. She's been down there and there's this certain ferociousness and there's a fear, you know, massive fear. But then you start to unleash her and you start to see that she's really this, um, you know, the primal, primordial, wild part of us um, that's full of our eros and full of our sexuality and sensuality and our creativity and our magic and you start bringing that in you start courting and relating and weaving and that's a long long beautiful wild and tender journey you know you you start to welcome your soul back and so when we're living from soul we're you know it's like you're not it's like you're not in control it's like and the pain body, like um, wound-based mentality needs to control because it's kind of identified in trauma. Mm. The trauma of just simply being a woman in the world that's, you know, we're carrying generations and generations of, of, of the, the lost lineage, the pain of the lost lineage. So we have to kind of come find you know the lost art of the feminine is really being able to go into the underworld shed all of those skins meet our pain body shed all of that identification through going through the shadow mm. learn the art of like the art of surrender it's like which means being able to kind of come to the in my experience come to this like non-dual mentality you know consciousness where if you feel something if you feel anger if you feel grief that you can just allow that to just pour through you like a river and that Mm. you don't need to shove it down or make it wrong or fix it or heal it. You're just allowing this free fall of of emotions because I also feel like part of the feminine journey is learning to how to ride our our emotional emotions as an intelligence, as Mm. a life force. And, and there's, you know that brings us and opens us up into into kind of like the small this is the small kind of case around our own egoic kind of um um identification into this into this like living and breathing like emanation of of earth so it could be you know you feel grief and it's not your grief it could be the world it could be the earth's grief and it's coming through you and and you know how do you how do you meet all of that and and how do you allow all of that and how do you be a conduit for that um that that is in service and not just uh you know not just ending up like a puddle on the floor not being able to function so 
Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's the fear too. That's, that's like the, the, maybe it's just the, as simple as saying the, the fear of being overwhelmed or flooded, or you're so porous, you can't, you can't, there's no ground, you know? Well, that's also another fundamental part of the journey is like, is establishing that ground because without that ground, you can't allow that to happen. So there's you like, we have to heal also that the ground that's been lost the ground that we never received um that's totally possible in a very somatic embodied way and through our relation you know in our own kind of private temple practice and also in our relationship to the earth which i call the outer temple practices Mm. so we have to establish that ground to then be able to allow you know the river to flow through us basically yeah yeah maybe you want to uh you know, I'm not, I'm not asking for tips and tricks here, but like, uh, okay. Practices that, um, that are grounding like that. I, I like your three tiered cosmology here, the self, Four, the, yeah. the, the other, other, the, the, uh, the cosmos, something like that. I maybe didn't quite, quite get it right, but, um, yeah. So what, what practices have you found that, um, I mean, they may be like animus practices or not or ones that sort of are uniquely coming through your your own way of mm-hmm. way of being in the world what would you say well <clears throat> i would say there's many practices that work together to weave this journey and it's really just about the practices that allow us to enter into the portal of consciousness that is more like the feminine consciousness mm-hmm. so one practice that i have been with for over 10 years is um a deep feminine meditation dance which is very you know i teach it um every week um, to the women who are in my containers and it's very very profound i've been dancing it myself for 10 years and it's never the 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 depth and the breadth to which it, it it goes never stops expanding so it's a very simple practice like based on you know, meditate, normally meditation, you sit on a cushion and you sit down and you're like, you know, working with the thoughts of your mind and, you know, and it's kind of, it can be quite transcendent of the body, but this is a meditation practice is, is in movement. So instead of trying to transcend the body, we're actually coming down into body by doing this really subtle, beautiful, simple movement. And that brings, that awakens cellularly this, this, connection to the mystery in our in the cells of our own body and that awakens also this this connection to our eros and so you know with the meditation you know normal meditation it's kind of like you're opening the crown chakra and i i kind of say that in the dance you're opening the root chakra Mm. and and then bringing all of that that connection through from earth through the roots and then up um into you know your connection with the cosmos so that's a practice that is part of my containers and it's kind of fundamental and because when we do that we're also we're rewiring our nervous system it open you know the eros opens us to this state of the ecstatic and when we the my experience you know eros is earth's frequency it's like it's our inherent um our in, our inherent organic state is 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 this ecstasy is this eros is this love and we've been removed from it which creates the suffering and the pain and the disconnection 
and we feel a deadening of eros, we feel a disconnect. But our natural organic state is this, is eros. So when we're in eros, when we're in the ecstasy of living, when we're able to cultivate that in our bodies, the ecstasy, we are able to open up to the, to the whole world of possibilities. To, 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 it's like the place that's beyond suffering, which doesn't, it doesn't, um, illuminate, um, doesn't disconnect us from our suffering. It just allows that suffering to become to become feeling, to become pay, you know, to become something that we feel that then ultimately brings us more alive. Mm -hmm. And so therefore there's no separation between, between, um, you know, the light and the dark. It's just our experience. It's just our totality. It's just our reality. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I kind of went off on one there, but Mm -hmm. there's the, there's the dance. And then um, I, you know, one of my massive passions because it's, been fundamentally my journey is the 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 core wound mm-hmm. is the exploration of the core wound as as the journey to soul mm-hmm. um and that's what i feel very very um yeah passionate and enlivened by mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think um you know i'm not exactly sure who who might be listening to this sort of conversation um but maybe you could give us just a little taste of what you, what do you mean by core wound and mm-hmm. how is that different than even what you said before about being wound identified or mm-hmm. uh, maybe a combination of story wound identified um, mm-hmm. because it's not just the wound. It's the stories we tell about whatever we think the wound is. So how do you know when you're getting close to core wound terrain? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, for me, my experience is the core wound terrain has many layers. So um, in the, when we're just first coming on this journey, um, one of the things that I do is resource people in, in their wholeness, which is also what, um, you know, world mind maps out for people. And mm-hmm. when, when you start to see that, oh, I, there is another way of experiencing life and you then you start to like identify the ways in which your kind of sub-personalities are keeping you like in a really small um, story and they're trying to protect you from the the kind of what I call the largest love affair you can conjure in this lifetime (laughs) then um you start to realize oh I'm not there starts to be this process of like disidentification from your wounds based stories and mentalities. And so you kind of create this inner resource, this inner state, this inner place where you can see all of those narratives and all of those beliefs and all of that conditioning and all of those strategies playing out, but you're, but you're not them. There's a place in you where you can love them and see them and give them what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not, you know that there's, there's another reality, there's another, there's another way of living. And, you know, I kind of say to all of the people that come in that you have to train, you have to work out if you want to, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not just, you can know that this is, I can give you a map and you can know that that's how it works. But if you really want to live it, you have to work out, you have to, you have to come into relationship with 
with the, these places within you and start resonating, start vibrating, start cultivating, start, you know, building the muscle of these places. Mm-hmm. And then come into relationship with how these protective parts, wound-based mentality um, is, is operating in your psyche. And when you do that, like, it's like, I call it like shedding the, the layers of the snake mm-hmm. skin. The, the you know you start to go through this transformation and and then and then at some point on that journey you start to see oh there's like all of these protective parts are protecting you from this one core place mm-hmm. that is your core vulnerability that is your mm-hmm. core wound so all of the all of the strategies and all of the protective parts have cleverly like designed ways in which that core vulnerability will be kept safe and protected and once you start dissolving all of that or you start to go through the process of awakening and transformation at some point that core vulnerability which is also your core sensitivity and where all of your gifts and all of your magic and all your beauty is starts to become clearer and 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 so then and then once you've cultivated like enough resources of wholeness in your psyche you can then descend into that core vulnerability mm-hmm. or mystery will design it so that you inevitably do anyway mm-hmm. so that that core wound can can do its alchemical work on you by mm-hmm. you giving yourself to that to that place and as you do that it starts to take on this kind of like mythic magical dimension so I would give myself to this place somatically. I'd literally embody this, this core wound, this vulnerability. And I just, you know, experience the, 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 all of the things that were in that place on like a sensing, feeling, imagining level. And then out of that place started to emerge, you know, all of the, all of the gifts and all of the seeing and all of the, the sensitivities that were stored in that place that were like, it's like two sides of the same coin. It's like, you've got the wound, but then you've also got the sacred wound. So it's like, once you start doing that, like alchemy, the, the sacredness of that wound starts to reveal itself. And then, you know, your whole life changes because you start to see the thing that you've been covering and hiding and protecting from and keeping hit, you know, keeping yourself small in order not to let expose it's actually where your deepest creativity and your deepest magic and your deepest love come from. Mm-hmm. And it's that's actually your gift to the world and the gift to the world from you. What a mystery. What a what a profound, strange, upside down mm-hmm. kind of mystery that you're describing. I mean. Just the just the idea that even in a way the ego and the early, if you want to call it first half of life ego, that's a little unfair, I suppose. But um, I mean, yeah, good. It does protect us from our wild creativity and from what where we're most vulnerable. It's like mm-hmm. there's this there's this beautiful scene at the end of the myth in Iron John where he's gone through all these kinds of transformations and changes and he's got golden hair and it's wrapped up and under this helmet and he's like a warrior and he's sort of courting the king's daughter and he keeps riding into this party and getting these golden apples and riding back and and when basically one day when he's not paying attention and he's riding away then another warrior comes and 
stabs him in a place where his armor is missing. You know, mm. this is not this is not like early wound because there's an early wound in the myth of Iron John that has to do with the finger, but this is uh, a, a wound of the thigh to speak of Eros. You know, and it's and it's like, and it is is. I'm guessing something like his core vulnerability, and without without touching that, then the helmet doesn't fall off, and and the golden hair can't be revealed until he's got this like, in is in touch with this, mm. this core vulnerability where the armor you can't no amount of armor can can cover this place. So right, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is going to sound like a kind of a strange. Maybe this is more personal question I have for you. I don't know. But I was quite moved when you were talking about the, the sacred feminine and, and the art of, of the feminine and uh, coming into, and, and, and it, it, there's a kind of almost secret dimension to it. I guess I'm speaking as a, as a man. And, um, and that's what's, I think, interesting. In fact, we could say that the historical expressions of, of of this kind of femininity were housed in, in sacred mystery cults. <laughs> they, they, there wasn't a, a manual that everyone got to read, you know, it, there, there was a, a certain amount of secrecy and maybe that should be the case. So um, maybe what I want to ask is, okay, so from this place of the sacred feminine, if you could act as a mirror for a second to the masculine world, just reflect back to the masculine, something like, uh, um, what do you see that's sacred about the masculine that that you'd like to to speak to? Like, if you could be a mirror from your own place back toward the sacred masculine, what would you have? What would you have to say? What what would you say? It could be something terrible. It could be something uh, uh, inviting. It could be. What do you see from? from one side of the pole, if we could put it that way. Wow, what a question. Oh, gosh. And I probably would say something different on every day that I'm alive. Um, but what would I say today? Um, I would say don't be scared of us. Mm. Um, you know, I think a woman who's truly in her feminine essence um, is, is in love. She's in the source of her own love and her own devotion. And she wants to gift that um, as, as service for herself, but also for the world. And I think part of the, the, maybe want to say maybe difficulty is is in not being received or or the the flow of her love being damned in some way and I think maybe that comes from some fear of what would happen if if that were to be let in mm. um so I you know I've kind of been tracking that you know to it is like you know the feminine world is for, not just for the for the men or it but also for the women is is a dissolution of ego and 
because it's like we're not in control it is an expression of the mystery and it is a a free fall into something that's not necessarily controllable can be can can be held and be contained and but there's some there's some kind of um free fall in that space and i think that can evoke a lot of fear um yeah and so yeah i would say meet you know that fear is the threshold that fear is the initiation and Mm. instead of running from that fear um but what would it take to allow yourselves to descend into that fear and be Mm. undone by that fear and be shaken and be torn open Mm. even more deeper through that fear Hmm. yeah (laughs) don't be afraid go closer to your fears (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah beautifully said thank you thank you for that never before seen uh, answer to a question that maybe you've never been asked so i'd be interested to see what you might say tomorrow yeah Um, (laughs) yeah yeah so um okay so yeah i want to ask you a question about about animus and about about guiding and um about the maps and models and the question is something like this what's on the edge for you like you know, I'm, I'm in the, you know, say program, same as you were in for seven years, I've been in for five or something like that. And, um, and we're always told, Hey, the maps are, they're malleable, you know, they're, they're, they're flexible. Um, they have, they, they can be wrestled with. And, and I do already have a sense for new expressions coming into being, especially the way that we're presently talking about metamorphosis as a, you know, the, the slow, painful, process of ego shape-shifting um, that, that happens in conversation with the mystery and, and with the emerging constellation of mythos and among other things. But anyway, um, what, so what, for you, what do you sense is on the edge of, of, of the maps and models or that you, you sense might, might be changing or, or you might have a certain insight into or a question that you're that you're bringing into the maps and models that you think is important. So that I don't know if that was a clear enough question. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, I think I've already kind of spoken to it a little is like, you know, for me, the thread that is leading me down the rabbit hole is this conversation with Eros mm-hmm. and the overlay between, you know, soul and Eros where they are, um, resonating in the same pool and where they might also be slightly different so so you know the maps and the models given uh, are such a, an amazing anchor into the the language of soul and the territory of soul and how we access and and navigate um the soul realm and and so there's such a potent anchor in that and then um what for me particularly just because of my own mythos in relationship to the soul of the world it's really how does eros how does eros how is eros a vehicle for for that journey into the soul realm how does eros we how what's the part that eros plays in in bringing us um through our yearnings through our desires into the wildness, into into soul, into magic, into mystery, um, and that's where my curiosity is mm-hmm. attuned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. 
Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting to me because uh, we, we've been around each other in various programs over the years. And um, you certainly have helped awaken my own eros and, and to feel it, to get closer to the transpersonal flow or vibration or terrifying flood at times. Um, it, and it's just interesting to me that you say this is a curiosity that you have, but it's not just a curiosity. It's just also the way your mythos is just being in your, in your presence is, is, uh, evokes this realm because you're in conversation with this realm and, and, and thus in conversation with the, with the earth's eroticism. And I think, I mean, if I just think, um, personally about some experiences that I would call expressions of the erotic, um, it, to me, I had a kind of uh, dr- uh, visionary dream, deep imagination experience where something of the erotic, that's what I would have called it, was coming up from the earth and up through my, my core, my body, and out the top of my head and kind of looping back around again, kind of like the way a moth might very slowly open and close her wings. And it was so... Um, speaking of fear and the masculine, I was so afraid on one level, and, but also enlivened that I, I shook like an animal uh, after being chased, you know, for a while mm-hmm. after such an experience. And, right. um, and, and, and yeah, and I would now, even just to follow up your question, what, what is the relationship between Eros and soul? Like right. they're there. I just not exactly sure the nature of the conversation. And um, certainly, especially when I think about the soul as having also a transpersonal dimension, it's not just one's wild, unique, individualized essence. It is that. And then sometimes I wonder, yeah. And part of that is rooted in something much larger and, mm-hmm. and is fed by energies that are, you know, as old mm-hmm. as, the cosmos or is the same thing as the cosmos. So. Right, right. Um, well, I think, um, you know, Eros is ultimately what leads us to soul, but, you know, by allowing that life force to come through your body and all of the experience, you know, the, the revelatory experiences that you're having in that state, um, it's like that brings you closer to soul. And so, to come close to soul is to come close to that, you know, primordial force of creation. And that's like ego death. And so mm-hmm. it's like that shaking, that trembling is like that, that is a, a sure sign that we're, we're in that depth, you know, we're in mm-hmm. that soul depth. So I feel like by allowing, by saying yes to Eros, by allowing that life force, that love, that creativity, to continually unfold us, it is, it's just taking us home, allowing our desires, our attractions, our repulsions, our, you know, strong feelings. It's like, it's just bringing us to the truth of the core of who we really are. And in that there's a, there's a, there's a reckoning, there's a quaking, there's a trembling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So we've been talking close to an hour and my, that was what I was sort of imagining. And I am very moved by the train that 
you've taken us into. And um, you used to use the word, maybe you could use it now, in fact, um, transmitting something. Maybe I want to ask you, what is being asked? Are you still being asked to transmit something? And if so, what? And what's that like when that happens? Um, that's one question. And um, yeah, maybe I'll just actually pause there and, and I'll follow it up with something else. So yeah, wh- what's your relationship with, with this word now? Well, I think actually I was with you in the desert when I got this poem and Earth asked me to transmit her frequency. And, mm. you know, for me, what's become clear is that Eros is Earth's frequency. Love is Earth's frequency. If we stand enough alone in the desert, we, we fall in love. It's inevitable. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, I created this radio show called Devil Woman Radio because Devil Woman is part of my mythos. And um, where I'm doing just that, I'm turning up the dial of love through the my voice, through my poetry, through my musings, and through the songs, the music, which is a, a, like um, an evocation of the beloved. Um, I'm kind of like creating this one-hour experience of, of turning up the dial of love because what would happen if we were to turn up the dial of love every day and turn down the dial of, of our, like, of everything that isn't that, you know, our kind of suffering, our pain, our, our, all of those things. If we, if we turn down that dial and turn up the dial of love, it's like t- tuning your radio, you know, mm. tuning, your, tuning yeah. your antenna. Like, what would you, what would you create? What would you express? Who would you be? Like, what would you say? You know, what would you, what, what music would you write? What poems would you write? You know, what, what would be your, your, your expression? You know, it's the, the kind of that, that aliveness that comes with that place, that permission. Mm-hmm. And, but we have to give ourselves permission. Mm-hmm. We have to free ourselves from that cage. And we have to, and that's a painstaking journey, but it's a necessary journey. And it's one that's so magical and so necessary. Yeah. I really connect with the, the frequency image. In fact, as you were speaking, I, I, was, I was imagining like a radio dial and um, perhaps like we each have these frequencies that mm-hmm. we're called to, to tune into mm-hmm. and and I was also with you in the desert when I, when I had a little whisper that was something like um, defender of the ancient ways, mm. which is a kind of not something I wanted. Like it, it, it makes me uncomfortable, such a, such a phrase anyway. And, um, but that's also the way that I began to think about it. It is a frequency that I can, I can turn the dial sometimes, or sometimes it just happens to me. And there it is. And something of the ancient ways comes through. And um, yeah. that's a way I, maybe even of imagining how the uniqueness of the individual human soul, part of the task is to know that, know that frequency and to turn the yeah. dial there and to, and to let the transmission come through. Um, and when it does, you know, it's, it's a wild, um, it's a kind of a wild ride. And, and you know, it's working in, in the sense that, yeah, the music or creativity or something like that is now moving out into the world in a way that it, it wasn't before, yeah. in a way that wants to express itself. 
um, through whatever vessel we happen to be at that moment. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like you said, you know, just, you know, you've just being in my presence has allowed you to, has um, activated something in your own conversation with Eros. And I get that a lot. And it's like when you're embodied in soul, there's not anything that you necessarily need to do. Although, you know, my radio show and my school and my offerings are all enactments of that, but just, it's also just a way of being when I think, which is what you're describing. So when you're embodied in that and you're aligned in that way um, and you're being a vehicle for that, then it becomes a frequency that you're just emanating or emitting just by being you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Well, one, um, I think we could just go on for several hours, but yeah. here's a, um, a kind of a, a question that's arising in me. It has to do with spirit or God or the transcendent or the divine. Mm-hmm. And it's a question I often bring to, to animus work. I think when I got involved with animus, I was kind of relieved <laughs> that most of the emphasis was around soul and not so much around spirit. That's the kind of thing that I, I needed personally to just to get in the door because I was coming from a pretty religious mm. world and I was leaving my job as a pastor and these kinds of things. So I was like, God, I don't want to talk about God. That's for sure the case. But also <laughs> the world is not like that. The world is, isn't so easily divided. And so, I mean, what do you, how do you connect with a, with a, with a word like God or spirit or divine or transcendent, or when you say mystery, do you mean also that, or do you mean just the mystery of the soul, the mystery of the earth? And what is that, what's that dance like for you? Mm-hmm. Great question. So I kind of feel like spirit and God and mystery for me is kind of like the more masculine principle hmm. um, and soul is the more feminine principle. So I kind of, got this revelation by studying a little the um, the myth of psyche and eros Mm -hmm. um so psyche and eros they fall in love and they're Mm -hmm. in this kind of like divine embrace of love and then you know psyche pours the oil eros flees and she has to go on this whole epic ordeal um she's you know she goes to aphrodite and she has to go on she has to go through many trials and tribulations and, and one of those is also a descent into the underworld mm-hmm. um, before she can be reunited with Eros. And so it's like, I feel like we, in order to be in touch with spirit, in order to receive Eros, in order to receive love, like this divine transpersonal um experience in our human bodies we need to descend and we need to forge a vessel and so for me the vessel is soul Mm -hmm. and and we need to forge our soul into this into this chalice that can can receive Mm -hmm. the love of the divine and so quite often you know i think spirit can be quite disembodied and can be quite this experience of oh the spirit is out there and spirit is in the sky and spirit is god and we're praying to him rather than let's forge our vessels let's forge let's make a make a chalice of our souls let's become embodied in soul so that the love of spirit can pour in and we can have that divine union within basically and for me that's the coming together of psyche and eros and out of that place when we do that alchemy within forging our vessel in soul spirit 
the eros can come in and then they birth the baby which is ecstasy and that is that for me is heaven here on earth that's the that's the the holy grail that's the place where god is like wanting us to go to it's like it's not out there it's not in the sky it's not when we die it's like it's becoming in souls so that we can receive the spirit of, lo- of the love of spirit that's all around us in every moment mm. and and that's heaven on earth and that's the react that's that's the new world that's the new paradigm that's 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 the shift god yeah yeah, I just want to sort of hit rewind and listen to what you said again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, something about that I resonate with. I, I had this kind of intuition that there's a dimension of the soul that is, is a place that is the place that knows God and is known, sort of, which is sort of like saying like a vessel that's mm-hmm. filled like being known like like Annie Dillard has this passage in Pilgrim at uh, Tinker Creek where she's looking at this tree and it's like on it's like all of a sudden illuminated and she's illuminated and she's on fire and it's on fire and it's like the whole earth is on fire and the grass is on fire and and she says at one moment it was it was not like I was seeing the tree but being seen mm-hmm. and that's that's I think whatever we might mean by God or whatever I'm, I think I might mean by God, that's, that's like being known in that way. And, yeah. and it is, a, and, and you need a soul to be known <laughs> something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Thank you for, for that. Yeah. Amazing. And it kind of, kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning about, you know, if we're operating in a wound based mentality, which is the too small story, we can't, we can't that vessel can never be forged and so we have to cultivate like the the chalice we have to you know the because essentially when we become ensouled and we're allowing spirit to come through we're not in control we're just we're just the conduit for this for the life Mm -hmm. that wants to be lived through us and so that requires that our ego is intact and healthy and whole to allow that that conversation with something much bigger than us and if we're operating in a, in a wound-based, trauma-based mentality, then that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think maybe I just want to you know, try to land the plane here. You know, anything else sort of emerging on just an, on the edge of your own awareness that you feel wants to be be spoken here in our in the time remaining oh i think we covered quite a lot there Mm -hmm. yeah it's really great to be um stoking the fire and stirring the pot Mm -hmm. and um yeah i feel such a love and devotion and i just feel such a my own eros my own heart and my life force just you know wanting to expand out to the hills around me and and just kind of like be a beacon and be a voice for the permission of what you carry on the inside to be free and to be wild and mm. because it's deep service and it's deep medicine and so um yeah i just i have that prayer for our humanity right now mm. yeah lovely thank you thanks for coming on thanks for being the first in a and what i hope will will become a, a an evolving and important conversation and and thanks for just showing up in the way that you show up in the world. 
Oh my God, <laughs> such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.